Hello. Hello. Morning time. Good morning. How are you today? I'm good. I just had a lot of dreams. You know, when you wake up and you're like, that was 18 movies just oh. starring all the people in my life or people who used to be in my life. Da, da, da. I'm sure I'm not allowed to bring this up, Ooh. but then you have to. Well, it's not my thing to tell. Even better. A friend of ours had a dream oh. about you. Yeah. <laughs> But okay, I think you might have misunderstood oh. exactly what it was. This person had a dream <laughs> that there was a big group trip happening and I was there and you were there and a lot of our friends were there. You were taking videos throughout the trip as you do. They were really good as they are and well produced. Oh my God, we have this on the record. Finally. You've stopped eye rolling. Even if I don't like them, I recognize that they're good and they're well produced. That doesn't mean I like being in them. Okay, got it, got it, got it. They are very good. You're very talented. And then in this dream, you got the footage from like the ring cam and like the security cameras in the house that we were staying in. And you were like splicing in footage that we didn't know like we didn't know we were in and they were like us naked and oh this person was masturbating it was like black mirror you were just like splicing in our real life within these nice produced cute videos isn't I that crazy misread that completely yeah i have a tendency to read things too quickly so i skip words when i got the text i was on a run how i read it was you were making videos that were becoming more and more sexual and you were masturbating. I didn't realize that I was exploiting people in this video. Yeah. I read a very rose-colored glasses version. I was a little weirded out by this person saying that I was masturbating in their dream. I was like, that's a little much. Right. But this feels worse, though. Maybe you were, but I know this person also was, and I was also naked in it. So there was a Everyone lot. Everyone was naked. Yes. But I thought this was so interesting. I, I, for one, I just thought it was funny because that's bizarre. So then I asked them, so you saw me naked in your mind, but you don't know what I look like naked. So I really am curious about the version that this person saw oh. versus the reality. Oh, I like that. This is a, a close friend. So they know me in like a bathing suit and stuff. They, they know essentially what my body looks like, but nobody knows what your body really looks like unless you're fully naked in front of them. I feel like I know what your body looks like naked. No, you don't. I think I do. Okay, but you don't. You don't think you do with me? No, I think I know what a lot of your body looks like based on a bathing suit. Yeah, maybe you'd be surprised by like one little element, but mostly you'd get it right. Although sometimes you get pop-outs. Like every now and then I'll see someone close to me's boobs or something. Yes. And I will be surprised. Yeah, boobs really come in all different shapes and sizes. I would love to know what other, well, not other people, but some people. What their like, boobs what, look what, like. What their boobs look like and what they think my boobs look like. That's my whole point. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Isn't it really just nipples? Exactly. Yeah, I guess That's it's it. nipples. That's mainly yeah. it. Because obviously, you know, size is... yeah, and stuff yeah. based on definitely bathing suits and tight shirts or whatever. Well, this person <laughs> did say, I said, oh God, I wonder what you pictured. And they said the same thing you just said. Just like, I know what it looks like. And I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> and then they're like, I do think I got it a little wrong because Liz's boobs were bigger. And I was like, yeah, she has small oh boobs. Flashbacks. <laughs> <Being> 14. <laughs> 
I kind of like that he imagines me with big boobs. I mean, I am attracted to women. I prefer bigger boobs. But that's probably because you have smaller boobs. So everyone okay. just wants what, what they, they don't, don't have. have. I would love don't to have... Don't say it. I don't. would. You have the most perfect... Don't. I would love to have very don't. small boobs. You can't say that you publicly. Can wear, oh, you can't. You can't. It. You said can't. It. You have the ideal body. You can't... You, I'm just telling you, people are going to be mad. There, people are going to be, be like, mad at you because there's no such thing as the ideal body. And I mean that not true. from a like well, feminist standpoint. I yes, really do course. mean that yeah, because yeah, yeah. there are so many shirts and shit that I cannot wear or I just do wear, but it doesn't look nearly as good as it would if I had a flatter chest. Right. And vice versa. I love my boobs now, but I really was insecure about it. Just as a teenager, too. Like, when I played underwater hockey what? with an all-male team. What's that mean, underwater hockey? You're below water? Yes, you're below. <gasps> you don't know this? No. Okay, underwater hockey, there's a goal in the shallow end. There's a goal in the deep end. The stick is shorter, so it's about this big. Like a ruler size, but it's, like, curvy. And then the puck is heavier, so it sinks to the bottom of the pool. And then you have defense, and you have, like, the same. What? And then you switch because obviously it's way harder when your goal in is in the deep end. end to defend. And so you you switch every like, I don't remember, 15 minutes. And it's the hardest. I did synchronized swimming. And yeah. that was hard. This was so hard. That for. sounds impossible. How do you stay underwater that long? You have flippers. You have a mask so you can watch the game and breathe and then choose when to go down. Oh, this we should like all a, play. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely playing that. <laughs> you won't even go on hikes with me. I won't even swim across the pool. That's the quickest way to get me to die. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> last week's episode of How I Die. You forced no, me to do underwater hockey. hockey. I don't think we have that here. Google it. I've I've never never started in New Zealand. You should. Oh Oh. my god! It should be a flightless bird. Go to David's pool. Oh my god! David knows about (laughs) it. Let's call David. David probably knows about it. Okay, I'm calling him. David's not a sports guy, but also no, he's a New Zealand guy. But also, of course, it started in New Zealand because it sounds so (laughs) childish. Everything's babyish, like cookie time and baby. How quick was my pickup? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, David, you're on synced. Oh, hello. We have a question for you. Are you aware of underwater hockey? Yeah, water polo. Uh, That's different than water polo. No, water polo is different than underwater hockey. Do you know about underwater hockey? No, I've never heard of underwater hockey. Exactly. Ridiculous, and I don't think it's real. I agree. Google. Liz is saying that it started in New Zealand, and so we are I played it competitively, and I know my history. You don't know that it started in New Zealand, and you no. don't know it exists? It started in England, actually. Oh, fuck. South Sea, England in 1954. But wait, it does say New Zealand, but it in another— It says New Zealand, Great Britain, France, Turkey, Australia, South Africa, and Colombia are the leading underwater <laughs> hockey nations. <laughs> Okay. David doesn't even know. Well, of course he doesn't know because I do think you dreamt it. I think this is all made up. I have photos of competition. For the record, I think any sport that's a regular sport, but then you just decide to put it underwater shouldn't count as a sport. I agree. I agree. This is the first time. Wait, is synchronized swimming not a real sport? No, that's a real. That's half above water. Some of it is all underwater. It can't be all underwater. You can't even see the synchronization. To lift people up, you have to do lifts and you're underwater. Okay, but the whole sport isn't underwater. The sport we do have in New Zealand that I think is very New Zealand is we have competitive sheep shearing where we have competitions (laughs) to see how quickly... You can share the wool off a sheep. Wait, I That's love that. That's not a sport. That's just an activity. 
Yeah, okay, good point. I'll see myself out. <laughs> Wait, for about 20 seconds, Rob, David, and I were on the same page. Yeah, That's the time. longest it's ever been. <laughs> Aligned against Liz. Liz I'm happy, yeah. Common yeah. enemy, that'll happen. Okay, bye, David. Bye, guys. Bye. Oh, man. All right. Well, I'm sorry that happened to you, but you did get schooled. Schooled in what way? I'd done it for, done it for several years. I have photos of the competitions that we did. I can call up many of my friends who were on the team with me. There was only one team in Montreal, so I had to play with the <laughs> middle-aged men and teenagers. It was like a mix of people. Because okay. there was only one team. Which is kind of That goes to show our... how small the sport is. I'm not saying it's not a small sport. <laughs> I was just saying it's from New Zealand. Right, but that's wrong. Ish. They play it there. It's a leading... Okay, anyway. What am I arguing for? I, I don't played know. underwater hockey. You did. And I don't even know how we got here. We were talking about boobs. Anyway, did you have... Were you insecure about how developed you were as a kid? That's sort of the point is everyone is insecure about their body regardless of what it looks like and regardless of what other people think the body should look like because it's all so different. And yeah, I was definitely insecure, but that's why you can't really win. But you like your boobs. I like what they look like naked. They do get in my way a ton when I'm like buying clothes or shopping or I think everyone can relate to this. There's always something about yes. somebody else that you wish you had. But nipples are so different mm -hmm. across the board. And I do think what people imagine in their head is not always accurate. I don't know if I'm imagining people's nipples, though. Are you? If I'm thinking about someone's boob, I'm not imagining it without a nipple. Right. Rob, you've seen a lot of nipples. Do you feel surprised most of the time by what they look like, or is it mostly what you expect it to look like? Uh, there's usually some surprise. There's some variance there. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Even just as a straight woman seeing my friend's boobs, it's always like, oh, wow. I guess really what I imagine always is probably my nipples. I'm just projecting that everyone's nipples probably look like mine because right. that's what I'm used to, and then they don't. The body is fascinating. Do you remember going to the like swimming pool with your mom? And then just seeing, like, young. No, I'm going to stop you there. No. <laughs> right. Sorry. <laughs> to play underwater hockey. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Not saying, but, like, being in a changing room, basically. Sure. Oh, okay. And suddenly seeing so many vaginas. vaginas and boobs and pubes. I'm imagining, like, um the Ferris Bueller song. This intense experience of just being exposed to so many bodies and being like, oh, my God, women's bodies. Because you'd only seen your mom. Right. If anything. I feel like that's a universal experience. It is. Or even, like, at school, you would change and then you'd be so curious. I mean, but then you don't want to look. Well, that's interesting because when I was younger, the adult female body was way more like yes. jarring and scarring <laughs> than when you're in your own locker room at PE. Do you guys have PE? We do. Okay. What do you think? I, look, we just don't know we about do. what everyone has. Okay. And I just want to be respectful and ask. Speaking of this is so funny. Did you watch my video? So our friend Anna, <laughs> me and you were at Cara, shout out, per usual. And we were doing computer work. That's what I call working on your computer. Yeah. Computer work. Computer work. We were there for hours. And as I was getting ready to leave, I got a text from her Oh, if you haven't left it, can you get me a burrata? And then, but like 14 versions of the word burrata. And then eventually she said, that was Siri trying to say burrata. 
And I was like, okay, whatever. You know, I just get this text. That's it. And then later, her girlfriend had posted a video of her <laughs> dictating that into the phone. And so I, I spliced it together and it really, really made me laugh. It's funny. Different cultures, you know, because of her accent. I mean, I assume that's why. But it's very interesting because Anna can try to like do an American version of her accent. And David does this too. I do it too all the time. We adjust to you because or else you don't know what we're talking about. How do you speak normal? Cirque du Soleil. That's not how we say it. It's oh, Cirque du Soleil, but if I say it the right way, you don't know what I'm talking I about. I understand. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like the frigidaire or frigidaire. whatever. <laughs> Which, by the way, I thought about this morning, an additional fun fact about frigidaire is that we also shortened it to Frigo. We don't even say the name of the brand. We just like make it our own. <laughs> also interesting, just speaking about different languages, I can do Siri in English on my phone, but I cannot do it in French. Like if I speak French and I'm writing to anyone in my life that I speak French with, it doesn't know my voice mm. in French. Oh, interesting. Like, and so I wonder if that's also what happened to Anna. I think your phone is getting to know how you talk. But it knows what you're saying in English. It does. Right. But not in French because huh, it interesting. hasn't, I don't know, learned it. But we have to be fair to Anna and David that they have accents. Okay. You speak French perfectly and then you speak French in the way oh. that French is supposed to be spoken. Okay. When I speak English, I don't You don't have an sound. accent. I used to, but yeah. Really? Oh my God. Yes. I sounded like Celine Dion. Do it. I'll close my eyes. There's actually a voicemail at my parents' house. We could listen to it <gasps> and that's how I used to talk. Oh, wow. If no one answers you'll hear my voice and be like, oh, that's different. Oh, they still have a landline. In their little <laughs> cottage. Oh, cute. Let's see if it works. Because sometimes when I hit the voicemail, I'm like, oh man, that that is me. But I, before I was- How old were you? Probably like 18. So many phone calls on this episode. Oh, oh no. they They took it off? Why? I don't know. So sad. Um, I'll just text them about the answering machine in yeah. the cottage. But yeah, it's like, you have reached 544. Like, okay, you're closing your eyes. I remember it was like, bonjour. You have reached 566. I had to lisp a little bit more too. Okay. 0524. Please leave us a message. It was like that. But that sounds actually more American. That was Canadian? Yeah, the French-Canadian accent is like, uh, so like, do you understand the, the, the way that we, that's really like, I, I never talked as much like that. I didn't have okay. an accent that was that thick. But it's a little bit like, uh, you know, uh, we add a lot of us and uh, do it like this. And, uh, you know, Monica Padman and her podcast, uh, it's really good. It would oh, be like wow. that, you know? Yeah, that is specific. It's a very specific accent. When I hear someone talk, I'm like, I know. It's so fun because wow. you get to be like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you good at accents in general because of that? No. No. I don't think so. We won't put it to the test because it might end up racist. It will. Oh, you can't do accents anymore. I think it's... Well, Meryl Streep can. Well, Meryl Streep can do whatever she wants. I know. On Only Murders in the Building this season, there's a scene where she's... They're doing a play and they're at the table read. And she starts doing these different accents. And it's unbelievable. It is... You forget how good she is because she's so natural. Ugh. And then that comes into play and you're like, oh, this human. How? My dad, I don't think it works anymore since we changed our telephone service provider. Ugh. How sad. He should have warned you so I you know, could have so saved sad. him. All right. Well, I guess back to boobs. boobs. Do you think that we've evolved when it comes to 
our acceptance of women's diversity of bodies and boobs? I think it's more just knowledge. I mean, and also to be fair, I I guess men have known this for a long time because mm-hmm. they have seen a lot of boobs. But I think it's actually women that don't know. Like I just said, I just project my own body onto other people's bodies. And same with vaginas and vulvas. Like that goop episode they did where they showed all of those different women's vulvas. Yeah. I was shocked. Do you feel like yours is changing? Not really. Is yours? I think it might be. What way? But I don't know if it's just that I haven't, because I don't pay that much attention to it. Do you mean aesthetically or internally? I don't know internally. I haven't been there. Oh. How would you know? With vagina bubbles, I'm saying, is there like something happening internally that you feel is different? Or are you talking about aesthetics? I mean, I think both. I think it's a very um, fragile ecosystem. Microbiome. Microbiome. And that it's related to your gut and it's related to your stress and it's related to so many different things. And men, again, because it's on the outside, it's the same skin. You know that, right? Same skin as what? The penis and the vagina, it's the same skin. So when people say, you know, oh, vaginas have a, a smell, like they don't. It's literally the same thing. It's just that Ours is on the inside and guys have it on the outside. Well, okay. I have to push back a little (laughs) bit on the fact that we have to acknowledge that there's a different smell often from a penis and a vagina. I think that that is not a result of the internal physicality of the organ. I think that that's as a result of how it is. Wait, what do you mean how it is? That it's the same skin. Well, it's not the skin that's tissue. making the smells. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Oh, I don't think anyone thinks that. It's internal. Right. But I think some people, I, I mean, there's a lot of myths about vaginas. There's a billion dollar industry that's around like cleaning your vagina and douches and products that actually threaten your vaginal, you know, health more than actually help it. That comes from these myths that women need to clean the insides or again, put stuff up there when it's a self-cleaning. It's a self-cleaning oven. It is. That's what they say. I agree with all that, but I think it is actually, it's because there's so much microbiome Mm -hmm. in a vagina that is not there in a penis. Yes. And that's why women are more likely to get HIV more than men. Same thing with a lot of STDs. Well, it's an open wound. Uh, I don't know if it's a wound. (laughs) I mean, sometimes. Yes, emotionally, sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We are supported by Skims. I am so thrilled. We would do this for free. We should not say that, but we just said it. I wore a Skims outfit to my birthday party. That's how much I love it. I think I saw like 10 separate occasions where someone complimented you on your outfit and you said it's Skims. (laughs) And it's so comfy. So And stylish, which I feel like is a rare combo. And that's everything on Skims. Everything looks so cute and people will comment on how cute you look. And it's so comfy. Like you could wear what I wore to my birthday party on a plane. I recently just tried the Fits Everybody collection. I got the boy shorts, Mm. which I'm a big, big fan. And I got the t-shirt bra because I do have boobs. And it's really hard (laughs) to find a good bra that goes under a t-shirt. And this one's so comfortable. It's so cute. We just, we love Skims. 
Believe the hype. Skims has over 100,000 five-star reviews for a reason. The Fits Everybody collection and more perfect fit essentials are available now at skims.com. Plus, get free shipping on orders over $75. That's awesome. After you place your order, be sure to let them know we sent you. Select podcasts in the survey and be sure to select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Thanks, Skims. Have you been, have you heard about these? Um, my friend Chelsea went to one of these. It's like a vagina retreat, oh. basically. Like to make it feel happy? To make it feel happy. What do they do? A lot of different things. Like there's a whole thing about your body, a lot of different meditations. I think you can give your vagina a name and then you are having conversations with her or it what or if it's him. A, well, yeah. What if your vagina is a boy? That would explain a what lot. What if your vagina <laughs> identifies as a boy? Like we can't control yes, that. We can't control that. I would welcome it. It would be discriminatory. It would be discriminatory. <laughs> so we can't. Wow. Okay. I don't want to go to that. You don't. I feel like you're like four seconds away from saying, let's go. And I'm just going to tell you now. What would you do if I blindfolded you? I was like, okay, (laughs) it's your birthday. I surprised you with like a really cool thing. And then it was four days at a vagina retreat. Where you talked to your vagina. We're in Costa Rica and you can't leave. Yeah, I'd be pissed. (laughs) You'd go to another resort. Yeah, she would find the four seasons. I would. Oh my God, that actually sounds great. Why does that feel not good? For me? Yeah. That feels like a massive waste of time and energy, and I don't need that. Do you have a relationship with your vagina? Do you think it's a healthy one? Yeah, I do, actually. Okay. I like my vagina. Okay. And my vulva. Okay. And you wouldn't want to deepen that spiritual it feels connection. Good. <laughs> That's a little woo-woo for me. But the other day you said you would do breath work, and I was so surprised. Breath work, because I, I do believe in meditation, okay. for sure. And I believe in your connection of breath and body. Actually, when I was in college, in theater school— theater major (laughs) in one of my acting classes my professor whoa ding 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 that just reminded me I had a crazy dream last night where I was at my old college and only one of my professors came to see me and I was upset only one and you wanted more well it was like a thing like I was gonna be there and everyone was supposed to come and then only one came and he came late it was like oh no no one cares no one cares yeah which is weird but also it was fun to revisit my college do you have a lot of dreams about college or high school or yeah I think so I do have a lot of school type dreams okay but sorry so my professor was in her own acting class at the time that was teaching them how to do certain patterns of breath that cause different emotions for acting. So you could do a certain breath pattern that would make you cry or make you feel sad so that you could apply that during acting. Anyway, all to say, I definitely believe in breath and body. Okay. But I'm sorry. I just don't believe that I need like a spiritual connection to my vagina vulva. I get confused about vagina versus vulva. So I have to say vagina vulva. Okay. Slash the VV. I was at the doctor the other day and there was a diagram of the female anatomy. And I got up and I was like, I need to know this and then really remember it. And I don't, it's, it's so hard to remember. I did when I was working in media, tested my male coworkers. This was pre me too, when you could do crazy shit with your coworkers. Mm -hmm. So I had all my male coworkers draw female anatomy off the cuff without knowing what they were coming to do. And it did really well. It was really funny because they all didn't know where anything was. And then my producers were like, would you be able to do do it? And so we had women do it. Yeah. It's not like men don't know anything. It's like women either. Uh, I know. <laughs> a lot of us didn't. Well, yeah, that circles back to sort of what we were talking about at the beginning, which is I think in some ways we're not here to give men all the props, but not all, of course, but 
many of them have seen multiple versions of women's bodies yeah. more than women have. And men have helped me accept my body even more or just as much as I think other women have. Feeling accepted, celebrated, and loved in a radical way by a man I think is also like amazing. And I think men are more, I mean, there's all these studies, there's conflicting evidence, but that women think that men prefer a certain body type that men don't actually. So women think that men prefer a slimmer body type than they actually do. Yeah. And it's also personal. I think every time we try to do these mass studies, it's hard. It's not accurate. It's just like women. Women have varying degrees of what they like aesthetically in men and women. I think women have different ideas when they see a woman, what they think is perfect and not. And then for men too. And for men, there's like a status thing where a lot of women on TikTok particularly have been sharing women who identify as fat proudly are like, you have no idea how many hot guys I get. And they just don't talk about it. That they want to be with maybe a more slender woman for other men, actually. That is rewarded. as a power status. Yeah, it gives you more status as a man to be with a woman that fits a certain ideal that we've decided. Yes, model type. Exactly, is a better way to put it. Because that gives them status with other men. It's not actually about a preference for women. Yes, which I think is interesting. Yeah, I also think that can be reversed. I think women sometimes think they need this version of a male that's also a model type in order to also achieve status or feel like I got the alpha. Or a guy that like really loves me. Like, I feel like there's a lot of that on social media from, you know. Wait, what do you mean? I mean, just like, again, this is like a, a kind of a viral TikTok, but it was like, woman who has a boyfriend and like she keeps mentioning her boyfriend all the time, right? Mm. Or posting a lot about your boyfriend doing all these amazing things for you. And I think for women, it's less being with a hot guy. I mean, being with a hot guy also has status, but I think it's like being with a guy that like really loves you and is so committed to you. Like it's more commitment porn. Wow, that's funny. I disagree. Okay. I mean, like the long caption, there's these TikToks laughing at that, at the super long caption about her boyfriend's birthday. I think it was this male comedian. It was really funny. He was talking about this really long caption where clearly her boyfriend kind of (laughs) sucks, but she's like, I love when you forget things, but like, that's just who you are. And like, that's just us. But that's not men. That's a woman projecting that they're so in love. Exactly. But I think that happens. Again, there's a lot of projecting on social media. Oh, for, yeah. It's the, oh, whole, again, it's the whole purpose of it. What gives you status within your own gender, though, I think is interesting. But I still think men are trying to impress other men and women are trying to impress other women. Of course. And using the other gender to well, do that. It is all status. It's yeah. within your group. There's a hierarchy. So, okay, question for you personally. Pretend you didn't see that TikTok. Okay where you could see it sort of objectively. Are you, Liz, someone who reads that and falls for it? Probably more than Monica does. Yeah. I think I fall for stuff. Gullible Liz? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've heard you so much as say that about certain couples and things that you come across like, oh, they're so in love or they're so perfect together or... Celebrity couples, I used to also... You've... You help me bring that down from a pedestal or just be more realistic about it because I would buy into... Yeah, I think I buy into stuff. Yeah, a little which bit is more sweet. Than you. Like vagina retreats. Like, <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. I think I'm more skeptical of everything. So if you see a caption like that, what do you think? I'm eye rolling immediately. <laughs> and then I feel bad. This is the series of events. Okay. <laughs> I eye roll. 
And then I think, actually, it's sweet. This is nice for this person. And then I go again into, is it healthy? Because there's no way all that's real. And why do you feel the need to be so expressive about it? For others, that feels like you're having to prove to yourself that it's real. You know, I go down a whole psychoanalyzation. I definitely do not find it aspirational. It's not something I want. Oh, wow. Okay. To like have a partner where I'm writing a paragraphs and paragraphs up. Also, that's just not my writing style. <laughs> Although maybe my gift guy would say otherwise is pretty lengthy. Yeah. You would write lengthy posts about gifts, products, but not about men. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other day, Kevin Bacon posted a picture of him and Kira Sedgwick and... It just says 35 years feels like a heartbeat. Hashtag anniversary. That is aspirational to me because that's not proving anything. That's just the truth. It's not trying. And they're not saying like we're perfect or we're it's just like we've done this for 35 years, like knowing that it's not been perfect for that whole period of time. I prefer that. What about Ryan Reynolds captions about Blake Lively? Let me read some like for her birthday. And he's done the posting bad photos of her. That feels more authentic. The only thing irrevocably mine in this world is a love and appreciation and awe I feel for this person. Witnessing her life is something I couldn't take for granted if I tried. And believe me, I try. Happy birthday, Blake Lively. You hung the damn moon. Very sweet. Yeah, it's not trying. It's beautifully written. I agree. I'm not against people showing appreciation of other people on social media. So how should they do it? What should be the rules? No, I don't want rules. (laughs) That's... uh, Everyone can do whatever they want to do. I just see through a extremely verbose post that for me feels like I want the world to know how in love we are. Because in my head, I'm like, why do you need the world to know that? Yeah. Because if you know it, that really is enough. The Ryan Reynolds post doesn't feel like he's trying to prove anything. He's just saying, I love this person, which is different. There's different types. People can post whatever they want. I think it's monitoring how you perceive these things. Yes. I used to think jealousy was just, I think less of myself, but it's you think less of yourself and you think more highly of others Yeah, than what they probably actually are. Yes. And so both are warped. Not only your view of yourself, but the view of other people. That was something I, I mean, I guess I'm still working on, but I think is less intense than it used to be. And I didn't even realize that I was doing it. I just was assuming that like everyone else is great. (laughs) Right. And I'm just broken. And it's like, no, literally everyone has their own little thing. That was something that my parents, especially my mom, had such a constant perspective and voice on. She would always say, you never know what's really happening over there. (laughs) Like, because I was always doing so much comparison, especially when I was young. That was her party line. Just like, you have no idea what's really happening over there. Or even when it was like, this mom and dad, blah, blah, blah. You don't live in their home. You don't know what's happening. Which I was always felt mean. But now I'm like, that's right. I have internalized that of, you have no idea what is really happening with anyone, with any relationship, anything. And it helps me. And it's also real. It's just it's, real. It's, it's real reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Similarly, my parents were so on the outside what we were on the inside. And that was really hard for me. And I felt like I wished we could be like the other normal families that were just kind of normal on the outside. And again, probably chaotic. They on the, exactly. Yeah. Sometimes I wish that my parents would at least try. <laughs> yes, just be, quote, normal. But that's so fucked up because there is no such thing as that. And actually, in hindsight, the people who were acting, quote, normal or very presentational, 
they are the ones doing a disservice because they're acting like there's a perfect way to be and there's not. Yeah. And that's also giving the message to the kids. It is. Too, that you're, you, you need to hide. To, exactly. Yourself. You need to fall into this box in order to be liked. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's hop into some questions. This is perfect for us. This is from Kim. Is therapy making us selfish? What is too much therapy? So good. I've been on a journey in therapy since my dad died while I was in uni. Once I found the right psychologist for me, it was a great experience. After being the avoidant, I'm just brutally honest friend, starving self-perfectionist my whole life, I started to learn to feel my emotions, work through trauma, and a lot of walls in my life dismantled. But flip side, my number of friends has dwindled significantly as I set up boundaries and set standards for how I want to be treated. I'm also finding myself just focused on myself, which I know is part of this, but how much is too much? How do you know if you're recovering from people pleasing or becoming an asshole with no friends help this is such a so good, good question so I think good. about this all the time <laughs> we've talked about it are we over therapized and I don't feel that I am but I worry that that could happen and it is something to consider when you're overthinking so much about every relationship, every interaction. Should I put up boundaries here? It kind of can become all-consuming in a way that can feel unhealthy in its own way. <laughs> yes. Like trying to be so healthy that that also becomes unhealthy. Yes, which applies to every other facet of our health. It's like caring about what you're eating. Great on face value, but if you're overthinking that and obsessing about it and it's taking over other parts of your life, I mean, it literally has a name. It's orthorexia, right? Just like wanting to be healthy mm -hmm. and wanting to eat healthy, you know, it can become a disorder. I don't know if we have like a disorder. Is it narcissism, I guess, if you're constantly thinking about yourself? I also think about this a lot and I haven't really fallen on one way or the other, but I sometimes feel like I wish I didn't know so much. <laughs> it's such a fine line because you do need information in order to stop negative patterns and you have to practice it. And it is not easy. And it does require a lot of thought for a long time before you can make yes. new patterns. And this actually is something I want to talk about, which is this period of time between when you know what you're doing wrong, where your actions are not reflecting the new attitude and the new neural pathways that you're creating about changes that you want to make. That's also a process. Yes. And I do feel like that's where people do give up on therapy. Or I also think we should expand that because that can feel also like a really elitist thing. Like a lot of people can't afford therapy, but it's like free 12-step programs. It could be self-help books. It could be spiritual retreats, right? Some of my friends, like it's not even that they're doing that much therapy, but they're, I think, over meditating and, and like spend so much time trying to get better and to right. fix themselves that then it becomes... Then they're isolating themselves from even the real yes. world. The point of, I think, all kinds of therapy is to have better connections with yourself, but also all, with other people. Yes, for and sure. And so if that's cutting you off, and in this case, maybe it means if you're disconnecting from people who aren't healthy, are you spending time connecting with people who are? And maybe that's what needs to happen. What I also want to say is it's okay to have fewer relationships if those relationships are healthy and real and the other ones weren't. I do think there's a fallacy for a lot of people, I think for a lot of women, that the more friends you have, the better off you are, or it makes you feel good by having a ton of 
people around or have like the most people at your birthday party. And that's not true. Like it only serves you if it's a healthy, real connection and relationship. And you can have one of those in your life. And that can be perfect and enough. So I think it's, it's, did you lose people who you wish you hadn't? But it kind of doesn't sound like it. It sounds like you had boundaries and then that led to this and the realization of, oh, wow, there's a lot of people in my life who I didn't have healthy relationships <laughs> with. And that can, I guess, be jarring. But it's okay to let those people go. Also, I will say, and we've talked about this before, but I really, really believe it. Boundaries can look different. Boundaries doesn't always have to be, I'm not engaging in a relationship at all with this person or like cutting people off. It can be, I'm not going to have this kind of relationship with them. I'm not going to share all my secrets with this person because I don't think this person can handle secrets or I'm not going to go to drinks with this person because I think this person can't handle drinks. You can adjust the type of relationship. You can still have one and it can just not have every single component to it or all the parts. That's true. It's not all or nothing. It's not all or nothing. And it's reminding you of what does this relationship serve? If it serves fun, then great. Amplify that and put boundaries around the other pieces and vice versa. But I do think there's a recovery period for mm -hmm. sure when you start getting into therapy and you're really applying all of the things you're being told and it's a little overwhelming and it can be all consuming. There's a like you said, a time frame. Yeah. There seems to be an end, but that means that there's a beginning. And I think seeing this as the beginning of something might also be helpful, just reframing this moment. Again, if these were relationships that weren't serving you, not even serving, I feel like that's a weird, even that like relationships aren't there to serve you. I know what you mean because it sounds like you're just trying to get something out of somebody, but that's not what it means. A relationship is additive to your yes. life. And so in that and way, it is serving something. you. Everyone should be served on both sides of the relationship equally. So I think that's the distinction. I think it's okay to say that. Yeah. But I do think that, again, in this over-therapizing world, there's a lot of therapy speak and people diagnosing themselves and each other yes. and using that as a way to, again, disconnect and to diminish people or to cancel people, right? Like, right. Like this person's lesser person's than. Person's toxic. For and sure. it's like, you know, okay, sure. they did something that you don't like. And you do things that people don't like, you know? So I guess seeing this as an opportunity to choose things that feel right for you in your life and people that you can be additive to in your life, I think is good. And I think the last bit is you are what you give your attention to. And if you're constantly focusing on your problems and that's what therapy can be, but make sure to talk about your wins in therapy or positive things that you're doing in therapy. My approach is I have to talk about what's wrong in my mm. life. And sometimes I'm like, I don't have anything wrong that happened this week. And then you almost look for it. You do. Yeah. So that is problematic. Yes. <laughs> I think it's no one's fault, but talk about the positive things. Talk about positive relationships in your life and that will grow, you know, instead of giving more attention to what's not working and the people who've left. Yeah, I think that's true. It's, it's a balance. Everything's a balance. Yeah. Okay, great. Let's see. Ooh, this one's tricky. Do I tell my now adultish children about their father's infidelity? This is anonymous. When my youngest child was only a few months old, my husband cheated on me with my sister. Oof. My husband was very remorseful and we worked hard on repairing the damage that was done. My sister and I no longer have a relationship. My children are now 21 and 23. 
They wonder why their aunt is not in our lives. I feel it might be the time to tell them. I would like for them to hear it from us rather than someone else in the family or outside of our family. I don't want them to hate their father. He's an amazing man, great father who made a horrible mistake. Do I keep this secret forever or is there a time to let them know what everyone else in our family knows? Oh, man. That's hard. What's your instinct? My instinct is to want to ask her, like, why does she think it would be important for them to know? Well, I think she's saying she's worried that they're going to find out from somebody else. It's a good reason. If that is the reason, then that I think is a good reason. Yeah. She says they wonder why their aunt is not in our lives. I guess there's an active questioning. But like, what would be the benefit of them knowing this? And if the benefit is that they would learn it from you instead of someone else, I guess that's good. But secrets are hard. You're only as free as your secrets, right? Or what's the expression? Sort of. Something like that. I think that's right. Secrets weigh you down. And, And if this is weighing you down and it's taking a lot out of you or that you feel like it's affecting your relationship with them. I encourage people to tell the truth as much as possible. But yeah, it implicates a lot of other people. It does. And there is this school of thought of like, have no secrets, always be honest, always share absolutely everything. I mean, we talked about this a little bit last week on another question about would you tell someone if you knew they were being cheated on? And secrets are, I do think, more nuanced a little bit than what what we'd like, which is just be honest. Wait, can I say something? Why is it up to her to tell the daughters? Why isn't up to the dad if he cheated? Why is she the one who's who would be revealing this? Well, she says I would like for them to hear it from us. So my assumption is they together would tell. I feel like it's the dad. Like, because that feels different to me, too. Because I'm just imagining for me, like, if my mom told me this, that would be just very difficult versus if my dad is telling me something and he's owning up to it, then I think that's different. But yeah, why is it her? What I'm guessing is they're approaching this as a unit and it's like, are we going to tell them together? Not am I going to? Kind of like when two parents sit down their kids and tell them they're getting a divorce. My guess is it's sort of like that. Also because they're what seems to be in a healthy place now. They probably want to come as a solid front as like we've worked hard and now we're here. We feel like we should tell you because you might find out from somebody else. But I will say I don't want to know if my parents have cheated on each other. Like, I really don't. Same. As a grown up person, it could have happened. And I don't care if it happened. And I will care if I know. So I'd just rather not if... I was in this scenario, if I was the kid and my grandma or something was like, oh, you know that your dad cheated on your mom with Karen. I'd be mad at my grandma. Same. I'd be like, no, he didn't. Or I'd be like, why did you tell me that? It's not your place to tell me that. Don't meddle in my life. I would be mad at that person. I mean, I'm a specific person. I don't know how everyone would react, but... I think I would just feel then defensive of my dad, which is a a weird defense mechanism to protect yourself and your own family. I don't know. There's a chance that they don't even want to know. That's how I, again, and this isn't even a show about telling people what to do at all to begin with, but I wouldn't want to know. That's why I'm like, why does it concern them? Does it affect their life? What are the consequences? Yes. And is she launching a show about fidelity with her dad? Like, Like, okay, then there would be a reason to bring it up. But it feels like there's not really a reason other than maybe they would learn it from someone else, which again, could be a concern that weighs her down and she doesn't want to live with that. But otherwise, I don't need to know everything about my parents. Yeah. You're my parents. That's actually kind of the whole thing. Like, I'm not supposed to know every up and 
down and your role is to be there for me. And that's a unique relationship. I think it's okay that parents have certain things that they don't tell their kids. And then it's like... They're going to go through their whole Whole life life and think about all the times. And it is a burden you are adding to them. And it might be worth it. I'm not saying it's not worth it. It might be. But that is the truth. You are adding a weight to them. Yeah. Again, we can't really tell you what to do, but that's a really, really tricky position. And I'm I'm really sorry you're in it. I don't think that they would be angry at you that you didn't tell them. If they were to find out, Sure, but they're not kids. Like, I don't think if I was 21 and I found out by someone else, like, would that make a dramatic difference in how I feel about it? It's like, no, I'll I'll know it. It won't make a difference to their lives. I mean, it might. There are people who would have a big reaction to this and might cut out their dad. Yeah. And sorry, my, my, my point was like, I wouldn't be mad at my mom if she had withholden this information yeah, from me same. or withheld this information from me. And if she had said, I'm not talking to your aunt anymore because we didn't get along. Don't create an intricate lie about it where right. it's like she moved away and like just say we didn't get along. That's not lying. You don't owe every single, in the way that I don't owe every single part of my life to my mom either. And then if they find out, they find out, you know, and you're like, I thought it would hurt you. And now that you know, we can talk about it. Exactly. And then you talk about it and you you grow from it. I don't think they need to know. Would you want to know? Yeah. Would you want to know? No. So my mom got remarried and no one in my family knew. Okay. That she had a previous marriage and I found it in her closet when I was looking for a birth certificate. Uh-huh. And then they uncovered it like three years later and I was like, Yeah, I knew. Didn't really change or matter. Right. I mean, look, there is something about learning that there's been this secret this whole time that feels very unsettling, I think. But that's going to happen either way. They're going to find out either from you that there was a secret the whole time or from the other people. And maybe they'll never find out from the other people. So I would just let it be. I think it feels like kind of weird advice. But I think your point's right. They're not going to be resentful of the mom for having not told this secret. Yeah. I would be like, that makes sense. Yeah. If they can have empathy and compassion for the whole situation, then they won't be mad. Or again, if she's like, I thought this was going to hurt you, you'd be like, yeah, it does. (laughs) It's hurting me. Unless, again, it's like totally fine, but then you wouldn't be mad at all about anything. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I know. It's weird because I've thought about this on my own of if I found out that my dad cheated, I feel really bad saying this. I would not care. And then I feel guilty because then I feel like I should care on behalf of my mom. You have such an interesting relationship (laughs) to cheating. You should like write a book about it. He hasn't that I know of. This isn't a real experience. This is just imagined. So maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe if I found out I would hate him. I just want everyone to be getting what they want, basically. As long as one thing doesn't come at the cost of another. And that's so relationship dependent, especially in this society. Obviously, we really put monogamy on a pedestal and we think if you don't adhere to that rule, then you're bad and that you should be shamed. And I see all kinds of different relationships in my life and my parents have a specific relationship that I see. And I'm like, if my dad was cheating, would my mom care? Yeah, it's more about their it's relationship. That's what my it, parents are too. Yeah. yeah. It's looking at their relationship. And this is so bad to be making it them because it's all hypothetical. But let's say she didn't want to have sex with him right. anymore. And he wanted to have sex. 
she would be like, yeah, I don't want to have sex with him anymore, but I don't want to get divorced. I think it depends on how hurt your mom would be, too. If she was, like, yeah. fawning over him exactly. and they were so in love. Like, how much pain is this causing overall is something to sort of pay attention to. And it is very different yeah. for each person. And to just think, oh, it's just 100% awful and bad across the board, I do disagree with. Esther Perel has written a whole book about this, and she doesn't say one way is better than the other. But I do think that I'm in this Puritan sort of view of it's bad and it's the most awful form of betrayal. And I think that you have a more complex view of it, which I think is accurate <laughs> of how things work in society. I think it's possible to say, this is my partnership, and this is my priority. This is my family unit. This is my priority. This is always going to come first, but I'm not getting everything I need out of this relationship, and so I am going to get the other things I need. If those things need to fall by the wayside for the other unit, they will, but I'm not going through this life without getting things I want if I can. And that sounds so selfish, and it is. Esther Perel's view is sometimes an affair can help you stay in a relationship. An affair can actually kind of save your marriage, which again is controversial. But that's kind of what you're saying. And I think that's not what we think when we see a headline of a, you know, yeah. couple where the guy or the woman cheated on the other person. That's not what we think of. We just think like he or she ruined the relationship and betrayal. But in, I think, more cases than we are admitting, it does help save the relationship. Or again, allows you to stay in that partnership. Esther always says, like, you cannot get everything from one person. That is the reality. And I just so 100% believe it. I've seen it. I see it all over the place. If you really start looking at relationships like that, it's so obvious. You're not going to get all of what you need from one person and that, you know... Sets you up to fail and yeah. cheat, potentially. I yeah, think. if you go in thinking, well, this person has to be my absolutely everything. Give me 100% of everything I need. Mm -hmm. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Anyway, did we answer it? Yeah, we did. We, we did. did. We did. Yeah. Okay. Should parents contribute a bit of money to their son's weddings? Huh. This is from Hope. My fiance and I have been together for a long time and we are finally getting married. We are excited to finally do it, especially after lots of hounding from his parents. My parents, bride, are graciously contributing $10,000 as they did for my older sisters and I'm so grateful to them. My fiance's parents, groom, haven't offered anything and we've been engaged for nine months. I know that it's not an obligation, but they do have the means to help out a bit, even if it's a couple thousand. My fiance and I don't have a lot of money and I'm sure you know how much weddings cost. And his mom has been asking us for years to hurry up and get married and have babies. She seems to not realize how much these things cost. I want to ask her if she can contribute a bit to help us out, but that seems tacky. I have such strong opinions on this. Oh my gosh. Because you're... Canadian. You've been to like one and a half weddings, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 400 funerals. Yes. So I don't know. I wonder if this is a different custom there. But here, the antiquated system we have is the bride's family pays for the wedding. I did not even know this. Is this true? Yes. We didn't. Both sides contributed. That's nice. The tradition is... Yes. That the bride's family pays for the wedding and then the groom's family pays for the rehearsal dinner. It's like a dowry. That's yeah, what it feels like, which is It's child bride vibes. What the heck? Mm -hmm. What? I know. It's kind of interesting hearing it from a different cultural perspective because, like, it is crazy. That's wild. So the idea behind it is... What? I don't what? know. <laughs> like, if that is true, what else is true? And I'm afraid to ask. I will say, I do think it's becoming more and more of a equal thing or people contribute. Also, people are getting married much later. As you get married older, you often pay for your own wedding and maybe like parents contribute or family contributes, but 
The thought originally is these are basically kids getting married. Same reason why you give all these gifts, because they're starting their life. They don't have any money. You don't have a toaster. Exactly. So it's like the community comes together to help. So they don't have the money. So the parents are like obligated to pay. But I am all about in 2023, if people have the means and one family member how would you ask? Maybe I'm just too Canadian, but like, why is she the one asking? Why isn't he the one asking his own family? Yeah, for sure. That is weird for her to go to her mother-in-law. Not to generalize, but with my married friends, sometimes I do see this happening where the son is not empowered to confront or challenge, (laughs) you know, his mom maybe in a certain way or sees that as a confrontation or challenge. And so then the female partner is kind of put in this awkward position of needing to do that. So I would just say, like, have a conversation with your fiance. Yeah. And then he should definitely be asking his parents and saying, this is how much they're contributing. How much are you contributing? Also, in this weird day and age, assuming anyone's contributing, it's all complicated in my face. The idea that I would ask my parents, it would be ridiculous to them. That's so funny. No, if you have daughters... In America, <laughs> mostly, again, this is changing, but like, let's say well, when let us my age. the comments. That's actually, it may be an interesting yeah, thing. Yeah, how like, this did has you changed. Split? I am curious because my age, let's say, so my parents' generation, if you have daughters, like there's a wedding fund. Whoa. I mean, my parents, Do I don't. wedding fund? No, because they're not of this culture. Also, I think my mom's parents paid for their wedding. I mean, sometimes there is also just a discrepancy in how much money people have. Yes. And sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes the bride's family cannot contribute and the groom can. So they should. Like, if parental support is happening, it should just be what people can contribute and who has the means to. Proportional right? to what proportional. you can. It's all yes. proportional. Yes, which is um, hard. Even at really good weddings, I haven't been to a lot of weddings, but they're great. Like I do see the way that the money thing can <laughs> kind of play into, and even in happy families, money is complicated. It's so complicated. It, it is. But again, if they can, especially, which is what the letter writer is saying. Ask your fiance to ask his parents. Now, what if the fiance says, I don't want to ask then what? I don't know. Don't why. get married. Yeah. No, we're not <laughs> saying that. We're not saying that. We can't tell people not to get married. Okay. But if he says, I don't want to ask. If he says, I don't want to ask. No, if he says, I don't want to ask, she says, why do you think that I should then? He might be like, I don't want us to ask them. That's not the responsibility and I don't want us to. Either of us. Oh, okay. So then they're, you're having a really small wedding, I guess. Well, then maybe you say, then I don't think my parents should contribute either because that doesn't seem fair. So let's elope or go to City Hall. Yeah, because you're going to carry resentment. Over. Again, it's yeah, like... Yeah, it's not fair. It's not fair and, and cut resentment right in the bud. And if you can tell that there was going to be some, like it's going to grow. This is the beginning of your partnership. You want it to be on solid ground and don't let the wedding... Again, this is why I don't like... I'm like, don't let the party ruin the marriage. <laughs> yeah. Just the party. It's just the party. Best case scenario, the fiance approaches his own parents and says, Hope's parents are contributing $10,000 to the wedding. Is there any way you guys could match that so that it feels equal for us? What are you comfortable giving? And then maybe downsize. Your parents can give that same amount and then do a wedding that size. Or yes, take the money and, and yes. save it for, save for it kids for a or a house. And then go to City Hall. It's cute. Kristen and Dax did City Hall. is chic. I love it. That's what my parents did. That's what Canadians, Canadians do. Do it the true. Canadian it's way. The Canadian wedding. <laughs> yeah, Canadian. <laughs> no, I think a lot of people get 
big married in Canada, but not me. <laughs> you said a lot of people don't get married. That's Quebec. It's more oh, French Canadian. Okay, so do it the Quebec, Quebec way. way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Put a down payment for a little condo. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to be it for today, but we'll see you next week. Yeah. Bye. This was fun. Bye. Bye.